When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hello, everybody. Welcome back to the Talking City podcast with Conor McGilligan, your multimedia host, and I'm joined by Simon Bykowski, your chief Manchester City writer on a very dull and dingy here in Manchester international break. Sai, how are Yeah, good. Good. How are you? Not too bad, mate. Not too bad. I think we need football back, don't we? After a, yes. after a challenging month, it's going to perk us all the time. Yes, I think so, yeah. Um, have been up to anything from this international break? Um, took most of it off to be honest, uh, which was was very nice. Did a few boring, boring things, but nice to nice to be off. And uh, yeah, it's um, yeah, just nice not to work. How about you? <laughs> yeah, you got a bit of a glow about you. It's that, it's that non-working <laughs> it's that glow. Non-work yeah, glow. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, hard-hitting topics, I to start off with. You've seen the show notes. City seem to have been brought into all of a sudden the conversation. Um, obviously, Everton this week have been deducted 10 points for breaching FFP rules. Um, and City are now, uh, I mean, the conversation is, is revolving around um, the Manchester club on, well, if this happens to Everton, there's going to be a precedent set with Manchester City as well. It's been chaos, hasn't it, really? And the first event in Premier League history um, that's led to this. Yes, um, there's a lot going on. Um, that's, why you're here. <laughs> that's why I'm here and what I should say is that I don't fully understand the legal side of it um, and you know there's a City fan on Twitter Stefan Borson who is very very good and knows his stuff but I think what we've seen since Friday is a lot more people who simply do not understand how the law works and the legal side of everything and a lot of cries of well, why haven't we heard what Man City have been punished with? Why haven't Man City been punished? Man City must be punished with the highest possible thing if Everton have been hit with 10 points. And and it's just all nonsense. Um, you know, I think there are a few interesting things that you can draw from the Everton case um, with regard to City. and Because the whole thing with City is it's sort of shrouded in secrecy. And we don't really know what's going on and what exactly they've been charged with sort of the the detail of it um so everyone's in the dark a bit and everyone's in the dark about this premier league panel and the fact that we've now had a panel with everton um sort of means that everyone's feasting on this and everyone is like right that means that this must translate exactly to that and it and and it's not because it you know like in a in a court of law if i'm being sued for libel and someone else gets done for libel I'm being sued in like Manchester Crown Court. Uh, see, I don't know the law, so my courts are. But yeah, yeah. If I'm being sued, sued in a court, of Ma- a court for libel in Manchester, and someone else gets done in Liverpool, that doesn't mean that I'm automatically getting done. But everyone's saying that you know Everton have been done, so City should be done, and it and it 
the cases are not the same. Everton were talking about, you know, this they've breached the Premier League profit and sustainability rules and they were giving their reasons for why it happened, um, you know, for things beyond their control. And the this independent panel have said, no, we don't accept that. We don't accept your reasoning, have a 10.5, which seems harsh, but might be, you know, a sign that the panel, and we don't know that it will be the same panel necessarily that rule on Man City, but have deemed in this instance the Premier League's version of events to be closer to truth than Everton's. Whereas City is all in dispute. You know, the Premier League is saying you have lied and been dishonest and not faithfully reported your finances for like the best part of a decade. And City is saying, no, that's not the case. So it's going to more come down to... So, you know, you can't say that it should be expedited or it should go quickly. I think there was something like, there were, there were tens of thousands of documents presented for the Everton case, which is en enormous, but times that by an unquantifiable amount for going through 10 years of... Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. I can tell you now there'll be 115,000 documents submitted because um, that is the magic number. But um, yeah, it it's, you know... It's interesting and hugely significant for Everton and other clubs. And Everton's statement kind of suggested they will be interested to see how other clubs are um, looked at. But on the other sense, it's apples and oranges because you can't just say, oh, well, we got done, so they should get done. Well, that's what it is at the minute, isn't it? It's like, yeah, we've, we've been done. <clears throat> you need to get done now. And like you just said, it's with the excellent analogy of the, the court of laws there. Um, it is, it, it's two very differing cases or multiple differing cases, but it's been so interesting, hasn't it? You know, when it's, when the points have been docked as well, obviously Everton have had a good start to the season. It leaves them with a decent chance. Um, other clubs apparently amassing lawsuits and we just got a little bit general, uh, Leeds, Burnley, Leicester. It's just fascinating how the whole yeah. state of players really. But I mean, you've got sort of, that's important for relegation purposes from Everton, but then it say City were to be found guilty of what they've been accused of and they deny all the charges but if they were to be found guilty you would have clubs for you know Premier winning the Premier League uh, you would have for getting in the top four you would have probably Champions League stuff there would be all sorts and all manner of clubs and we saw when you know City were um, accused by UEFA and that initial punishment came down like eight of the top ten clubs um at the time sort of got involved with UEFA to try and make sure that City couldn't what they saw as getting out of it or delay and as it happened City had no interest in delaying but um all the clubs are out for themselves and the Premier League is out for themselves and that is one of the big problems and the huge problem that the Premier League have because there are questions from the government about can the Premier League regulate it all the clubs can the Premier League be an independent regulator? And the answer from government is not really. You know, in the week that the government were due to release this white paper on, it was the week that the Premier League suddenly said, oh no, Man City have been charged, we can do it. And it was, you know, so it, it, I don't want to say it was hastily put together because I don't know, but none of the charges on the website added up. They didn't correlate to the right handbooks at the time. So, 
you know, why did the Premier League put it out in the week when they were, you know, about to get a bit of flack for not being able to regulate? Who knows? Maybe it was a coincidence. But the Premier League are in this fight to show that they can regulate and all the clubs are in it for themselves, including City. But like, as as you would be. So, so there's no kind of, you know, th this independent panel is the closest we get to impartiality. Um, but Everton are going to turn around and say, well, that's happened to us. You need to make sure that everyone else gets hit. And, and part of the reason why this investigation has been taken, while it was taking place into City, all the other clubs around City would say, why is this taking so long? Why can't you do this? You need to punish them. You need to, you need to get on with this. And, and I'm sure that will only ramp up again now that we've had this verdict on Everton. You know, I think we've seen it online with a lot of fans saying, why aren't you doing this with Man City? You need to do this. And, you know, I'm fairly confident that that will be, the Premier League will be getting those those messages um, from other clubs. So everyone is out for themselves and, uh, you know, not nothing has materially happened with the City case, really. But because this Everton one's come out and because everyone is included in each other, you've kind of got this... Um, it's... Yeah, but it's it's sort of like, you know, fish in a barrel, but all the fish are shooting each other. It's um, it is very, very messy and we'll only get messier as as more comes out, really. Mm, 100%, yeah. Fascinating. And I'm sure things will develop in, in the coming weeks. Um, on a few positives, um, Manchester City women beat Manchester United in the backyard, which was nice to see, 3-1. Um some really good goals in there, actually. A hilarious moment at the end with a Bunny Shaw rebound, which which hit the back of the net, which was hilarious. Um, but the dominance of City at United continues, so. Yeah, it was uh, an important win for City, really, because they they started the season very well. Um, I think they won two of the first three, and the, the, the draw was against Chelsea when they ended up being down to nine men ridiculously and Chelsea equalised in like the 98th minute or something. So so they, they could consider themselves really unlucky, but then they lost at Arsenal. I think they lost at home to Brighton. So the way things are in the WSL, you know, questions already being asked. If you've lost two games already, can you win the league? Um, but to respond to back-to-back -back defeats and go and beat a United team who will also be wanting to, you know, challenge for the title and make that top three was was a really good result and they went behind um early on to to a penalty they had another red card late on so they didn't have everything their own way but um some very good performances and a a very pleasing win for uh for gareth taylor and his team it was good as well because it, it, it weirdly there's some elements of it which mirrored um the City United men's game as well because um, it was it was obviously Man United started relatively strongly and then City sort of came into the game and started dictating it really and it was mirrored in the in the women's game yesterday really yeah and and the light show as well oh which, yeah <laughs> which we're getting used to now well yeah. yeah it's just like if you're gonna do a light show like don't do one like that um, but um, yeah it was a very strong performance from City um, which I think the thing is with this City team is it can be a bit inconsistent so I wouldn't like to say that sort of all their troubles are, are behind them now um, but it was a big win 
a big win. I, I think um, first win LB United in a while um, away from home. So um, yeah, I think it sort of gives them that that confidence back that um, that they are still in the race and still have a a, a big say in this in this season. More positives. Um, moving back onto the men's game, uh, Rodri. Um, East fears of injuries as he uh, as he was included in Spain's starting eleven um, for their qualifier against Georgia. Massive news. Um, it was a little bit of worry around him, wasn't there, going into his international break amongst you know all I mean City's nine hundred injuries at the minute. <laughs> Rodri was certainly one who you wanted to keep a little bit fit leading into the Liverpool game. Yeah, it was the last Monday we did the podcast and it was like yeah everything's fine and then <laughs> just like. A thousand injuries um, popped up, but uh, obviously we know from a few months ago how how difficult it is to to replace Rodri in this team, especially if John Stone is injured as well. Um, so the fact that Rodri was available is a big plus, uh, and also you know a nice sign that because I, I think the worry again, like everyone's out for themselves, being a bit of a theme, but like you know. All the clubs worry about when their players go away for international duty because the national managers, it's not in their interest to say, oh, well, you know, we'll make sure they, they return to the clubs fully fit and ready for, for the next set of games. It don't matter how they play for us, but we need to make sure, you know, the national managers want them to play the best for um, for them. And we've seen we sort of, um, you know, I think Gavi got injured for Spain in a game where Spain had already qualified and... You know, there's a bit of uh, umbrage from sort of the Barcelona end of why was he playing? Why did you need to play? And uh, the Spain coach sort of, our oh, top players never need to rest. And it's like, well, sometimes they do. Um, and they tell you that they do. And Rodri, it, it will be pleasing from a City point of view that he missed a game for Spain rather than sort of tried to play through the pain and risk it. Yeah, not to get us a Liverpool game fully, X, we will get into that, but him potentially being out of that game I mean it's, it's obvious stuff but would be massive wouldn't it because you feel a lot of the control is going to be in the midfield yeah 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 and also you know he's one of the best players in the team so you take him out and we've seen it's really difficult to to replace him so yeah I think if you if you point together a list of players who you wouldn't want to be injured for C then Rodri would be near the top if not at it that's going to be it for Act 1, everybody. We'll be back uh, for Act 2 in just a sec. Hello, everybody. Welcome back to the Talking City podcast. Si, we finished talking about fitness and potential injuries. How is City at the moment in terms of injury? Because obviously, um, you know, the Club World Cup, coming up very soon as well. Um, City will need, I mean, it's another game, isn't it, as well, to add to the, the roster. Um, how are they looking at the minute? Uh, yeah, a lot worse than they were a week ago. <laughs> let's uh, let's be honest. Uh, can we can we count them all? So they've had, De Bruyne is obviously still out. John Stones is out. Sergio Gomez is out. Nathan Ake was injured. The, yeah, Ake was injured before the Chelsea game um, and didn't join up with, the Netherlands national team. Kovacic and Edison didn't join up with their international teams because of injuries from the Chelsea game. Haaland pulled out of 
the second Norway game. Nunes pulled out of the Portugal camp. Um, is that is that it? Are we on eight? Um, and yeah, that is a lot. Um, you know, I think I think there was a bit of surprise um, at the sort of injuries to Edison and Kovacic just because they played on it. Um, Stamford Bridge, you know, Kovacic was a sore, but Edison played the full full game. But uh, they will obviously need to need to be looked at. And the yeah, Harland Harland's a funny one as well because it didn't seem too bad. Um, you know, there was a bit of a scare around his his fitness, and then you know, I was speaking to someone in Norway who kind of said, "No, no, it it seems to be that they seem sort of a bit more reassured about it." Um, and then a day later, he was pulled out of the game against Scotland. Um, but that seemed to be kind of more precautionary than, you know, a, a big injury. Um, yeah, yeah. And yeah, so, you know, it remains to be seen whether he'll be fit for the Liverpool game. But I think the hope is that he that he will um, because... It, it it wasn't sort of he suffered an injury and then is now out. It was more kind of, it, it's sort of like his fitness is an ongoing battle, isn't it? And it's always a job to keep him fit and maybe he just sort of went below a line when he needs to be above a line, but he can pretty quickly get back above that line. Yeah, Omicic didn't do that as well. It's going to be on the edge. Yeah, yeah. Um, I, yeah, I, I think the thing is, it, it's funny because like, they they can still put out pretty much a first strength team against Liverpool, say. Um, apart from Stones and De Bruyne, but they've not had De Bruyne all season. They've not had Stones for most of the seasons. They can probably put out a full strength team, but there would just be kind of zero depth. And like you say, with the Club World Cup coming up, they've got a few Champions League games. They've got a tough run of Premier League games. They really need that depth at the minute. How seriously do you take the Club World Cup this year? Uh, City will take it very seriously. You know, it's a competition they've never played in before because you have to win the Champions League to get into it. Um, Does it change? Does it also change with the amount of injuries? Yeah, but they didn't say maybe sort of players for important Premier League games. I think you do, but I think um, the way the schedule has come about so i think they play on the 22nd the evening of the 22nd is, is the final if they get through um and then the next game is everton away on the 20 the evening of the 27th so there's a lot of traveling to do but there is time there to to rest and recover um you know it's similar to like the weekend before the this international break when they played tuesday against leipzig and sunday against chelsea but Obviously, you're going to get back from uh, the Club World Cup. But, I, you know, I think we might see some changes in the semi-final if you have fit players and a fit squad to go. Um, but it, I, I would think it would be, a you know, a full-strength team for the final just to, to, to get that trophy in the cabinet. Talking about all this rotation... Will Calvin Phillips potentially get a start? <laughs> We've got to get him into every we podcast. Come, come, come back to Calvin, yeah. Um, well, yes, he might, but at the same time, if Rodri's fit, then 
Rodri probably it's takes that day, position. Um, yeah, I mean, it'd be interesting with um, with Phillips, Nunes and Kovacic injured, you know, does that push him closer to selection? It probably does, but then you've got Rico Lewis as well, who um, has impressed again and been called up to England. And, you know, we sort of mentioned a while ago that Lewis was outperforming Phillips for City, so it might not be long before he's kind of jumped into the England squad. There's a lot of transfer interest as well this week. West Ham apparently in the picture for Calvin Phillips as well. Yeah, and you know, like I said the other, as soon as Phillips didn't start against Bournemouth and Young Boys, he should have been sort of on the phone straight away to say, yeah, I need a loan in, in January. And you never can tell what's around the corner. And now Kovacic, Nunes are, are injured. We don't know how long for, but that might give him sort of the chance for some games, but it, you still can't see his long-term situation turning round while he stays at the club. Yeah, it's almost like we need you to patch up the squad now a little bit because it's really, really thin in the midfield, but but when that's even just like, you know, a little bit back to full strength, you, you can do what you want. It's not, as a player, you're not going to feel wanted or not. No, really. no, no. So, um, you know, I think the, the best thing for for Phillips will be to get a, a low move somewhere else in January and really show what he can do with a regular run of games and then, you know, go away with England and hopefully have a successful tournament there. Do you think, just to sign off on Phillips, do you think it would be a, a loan? Do you think that would make more sense instead of a permanent transfer? Yeah, I think, it, I mean, it obviously depends on kind of what the interested clubs want and what Phillips wants, but I, I don't get the sense that Phillips is kind of ready to write off his City career. And I don't get the sense that City are fully ready to sort of... Say goodbye. Yeah. Uh, you know, money talks. And if there was an offer, they'd certainly think about it. But um, everyone everyone loves Phillips at City. Do you, <laughs> love, him? Do you love him, Si? Uh, I have nothing against him. <laughs> um, they, you know... and But, like, for, just on a random tangent, like, seen some City fans sort of chirping up about Cole Palmer being very chatty all of a sudden. Um, and it's and it's like, well, it, an industry point, clubs or national clubs put you up to do media when you've played and you've done well. So, like, I've barely spoken to Calvin Phillips while he's been at City because he's barely played and he's never been sort of the one pushed or, you know, encouraged to, to come towards us because he's not been the the standout man and Palmer was never really that person at City um, you know for the last 18 months whereas now he's at Chelsea and playing well and broadcasters get to pick who they speak to so if they will want the man of the match Cole Palmer or anything like that and then he goes to England and you do a press conference when you join up with England so um, that is why Cole Palmer has been very very chatty of late because he's been playing games which he wasn't at, at City so um yeah, I think Phillips is needed just to get that clean break from from City in, in January. But because people want him to do so well, I don't think, you know, they would be wanting him to, to cut ties with them. Yeah, I agree with that 100%. Um, guys, we're going to leave it there for Act 2. We'll be back talking Liverpool and City in Act 3. See you soon.
everybody, welcome back to Act 3. We're here discussing a monumental game in the Premier League calendar. It is City versus Liverpool. The highlight package, a massive game, arguably the biggest game uh, in, in, in English football. Um, a new rivalry as well. So how are you feeling about this one? Uh, I'm very much hoping that I get to write about the football and not official statements from club. I thought you were going to say another light show. <laughs> <laughs> no problem with the light show, although at 12.30 it would be an issue. Although, you know, we'd probably do it in this light. Um, yeah, you know, they've been the two best footballing teams for the last five, six years and they've produced some incredible games. Um, obviously hampered by it being a 12.30 kickoff. Yeah, it's um, for television and because clubs sign up to these lucrative deals that means the broadcasters can turn around and say, yeah, you play when we want. And, you know, I think Liverpool have had more 12.30s after its national breaks than like any other team by a long way and also have regularly had, you know, a contingent of South Americans who are almost always travelling the furthest. Um, so particularly tough on Liverpool, but tough on City as well this time. Um, so that may not help the standard of football, um, but we'll have to wait and see on that. But you would expect, you know, a, a really good game from the two teams that I think will probably end up as the top two. Yeah, it feels like there'll probably be a lot of focus as well on Everton's points deduction because obviously that transfers to City and then Liverpool should be awarded some of those titles. <laughs> You're expecting some of the broadcasting to be featured around that, aren't you? Yeah, quite possibly, yeah. Um, but yeah, like, like I say, just sort of hope that the game passes without incident in the stands because too many games between these two in in recent years have been, been spoiled by um, the actions of you know, both sets of supporters, really. Do you see them as sort of cities? Obviously, Manchester United being the main rivals, but are they firmly in second now, Liverpool? Yeah, yeah, I think so. Um, and, you know, Guardiola was asked, um, maybe before the United game, sort of, you know, are, are United your biggest rivals or Liverpool? And he was like, well, Liverpool, because United haven't challenged us at all while we were, while I've been here, basically. And, it's, he knows what he's doing, doesn't he? Well, but also it's kind of a different mindset, you know, of who your biggest threat is. And the the team that has always given Guardiola the most headaches has been Liverpool and the team that, you know, City have pushed against and sort of improved to stay ahead of is Liverpool. And, and Liverpool and Klopp would, would say the same for um, for City. And, you know, they're in a similar position where Everton are there big rivals and they've got United as well but if you're asking over the last six years which team have they sort of been most desperate to to beat um, it would probably be be City and you know if they could they could change one one game from the last six years or whatever it'd likely be that 2-1 win for City at the Etihad in 2019 that meant that that one win that meant that stopped Liverpool from being titles stopped them from going from getting 100 points and stopped them from being unbeaten for the season, I think. It, so it was um, enormous. When Liverpool have climbed the heights, City have been there with them and and the same going the other way. So um, it, it's been a great rivalry. Um, and, you know, 
there has been a bit of edge to it, which has been nice at times as well. And it looks like it will continue. Yeah, they look good, don't they? It's, yeah. it's almost like they've obviously that blistering front three of Salah, Firmino and, and Mane who caused City so many problems um, at their pomp. They've kind of evolved really, haven't they? And like Nunes is in there and obviously you've got Cody Gakpo, got Luis Diaz who's now back. And Mo Salah obviously doesn't seem like he's slowing down whatsoever. Um, pose massive threats, don't they, Liverpool? Yeah, and you know, one of the big not one of the one of the sort of weaknesses that became more obvious in the Liverpool team was Trent Alexander Arnold at right back, you know, the space that you could get in behind him. Uh and Alexander Arnold and Klopp have looked at what Man City have done with John Stones and said, Yeah, we could do that and have evolved and are a better team for it. And, you know, there are still questions about Liverpool defensively, but then you're talking about a City team that have just conceded four goals. So, you know, they're they're not immune from it either and haven't kept as many clean sheets as they should have done this season. So um, it's two teams that are evolving and that kind of shows why, you know, they're, they're, they're two of the best run clubs in the league. And you talk about Liverpool replacing their, their front line is so hard to do. And City, so hard to replace Silva and Aguero and company and Torre and you don't always get everything right, but you look at Liverpool and it seemed like last season they missed Sadio Mane a lot, um, but then Mane wasn't amazing at, at Bayern. And if you're talking about replacing Mane and Firmino with kind of Nunes and, like I say, Jossa and uh, Gakpo and Diaz, like they all look really good players. Um, and so it's credit to, to Klopp and Liverpool for, for bringing them in. Yeah, 100%. Um... I wanted to just unusually at the end, we, we do normally obviously preview the, the game coming up, but I did want to just link back to transfer chat just for a second. And a man who, you know, I watch quite keenly, I watch a lot, quite a bit of Bundesliga football and who's, who's really fostered an excellent relationship at the minute with Harry Kane, Leroy Sane, there's been discussions, rumours you know, of, of him potentially Come back to Manchester City. Now, I'm not going to say, is he or isn't he signed? What I am going to say and what I'm going to ask is, would you have him back at Manchester City? Or has that ship sailed? Yeah, it's a very interesting one, isn't it? Because, like, it's a transfer that would get every, every City fan excited. He's performing so well as well. He it's is. So like, but every City fan loves him. And, like, they love the sort of relationship he's had with the supporters and the performances that he gave for the club. Um it is quite a while since he left, though, and City have changed a lot since he left, and he's changed a lot. Um, so it's almost like Jeremy Doku has reopened the door for kind of oh a Leroy Sane to come in because, yeah, City had moved away from that, and Doku has has come back in for it. Um, you know, I I think with with Sane, obviously City have got to their position um, in world football by making intelligent signings that aren't kind of necessarily the the obvious ones. So there's every chance that Sane could be that, but I would always go back to kind of, I would be cautious about, by, about Bayern Munich or Real Madrid selling you any player because it always seems like a great deal because you're getting a Bayern player or you're getting a, a Real Madrid player and 
it always tends to end out working best for Bayern Munich and Real Madrid. You know, I'm thinking like United in the last 10 years have signed Varane. But you talk about Varane, like Casemiro. How good was Casemiro last season? That's why he's on a five-year deal. How bad has Casemiro been this year? Why Why is he on a five-year deal? Why did we pay Real Madrid? Schweinsteiger at Bayern is another one. And, you know, all these players, you, you look at, you know, the giants in world football and they don't tend to sell you a player unless they they want to. Maybe Lewandowski going to Barcelona was kind of the, the exception, but that was more a, a contractual thing and something that Bayern will be well aware of given that they sort of tend to snap up all of Dortmund's best talents on, on free transfers. But, you know, City are a bit different because they say if you want to leave, you leave with a big offer. Um, but, yeah, as, as good as it would be to see Sane back in a City shirt, you sort of think... Why are buying nostalgia as well a lot of times, isn't it? But as not only that, but uh, yeah, um, you know, why are buying willing to sell and, and Real Madrid, obviously, like you know, you just spoken about, but and money as well, it, it's not going to be cheap for buying's best player, yeah, well, yeah. arguably best player. <laughs> the other guy, the other fella's yeah. doing all right, isn't it? Right. Yeah, 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 um, yeah, yeah, it's not, but you know, see, are uh, because they're so well run, they sort of have the they will have their ideas in place for next season, but also be able to be flexible enough to sort of work around opportunities. And we saw this summer was kind of a bit more they were a bit more reactive in the market than they normally are. Um and, you know, they the jury is still out on a fair bit of it, but it, it looks fairly promising. So um I think yeah, I think that you can trust that City will make the right decision. Mm. And before we end, can I get a Liverpool prediction, please? I think it would be 3-1 to City. City do very, very well at the Etihad. As well at the Etihad as they do bad. <laughs> well, I think it's, well, it is a bad thing doing poorly at Anfield, but I, I, I can't think of many clubs who've got a good track record there. It's a, it's a terrible round to go. And similarly to, to what City is now. So, um, so you've got 3-1 um, City. I'm going to go... I'm going to stick with fours again. I'm going to go 4-2. It's going to be a blockbuster sign. You're going to be there to enjoy it. Um, but we're going to leave it there. Thanks, Sai, so much for joining me, mate. Really appreciate it. Um, a poignant episode of the Talking City podcast, everyone. Really appreciate you stopping by for this. We'll make sure... Um, you go and follow us on YouTube, leave us a like, make sure you subscribe and all the good stuff, leave us a five-star rating on all of your favorite podcast providers. And from myself and Sai, we will see you in a bit. Cheers.